treating the symptoms. So treating the symptom of blocked arteries, treating the symptom of cholesterol, which is a total symptom. It's not even a disease state. Okay. Mm. Treating this, treating um, cancers, treating uh, uh, arthritis, treating all these on a regular basis, then we're going to make a lot more money. Mm. Because people have to come back to us every day, every week, every month, every year, and therefore we will have a you know multi-trillion dollar industry. In a multi-trillion dollar industry. Five Aiders, how are we? We are back. As you heard from that snippet, we have a awesome episode here for you today. Last week we had a virologist, uh, the inventor of mRNA which is the highest end that you could do on medical side. So this week we have an incredible person for the natural nutrition side. But before we get there, we just want to give a shout out to our sponsors, uh, our sponsor. They seem like it's an S in there because they do so many things. It's loanoptions.ai. So go to loanoptions.ai slash five eight f-i-v-e the number eight if you're looking to do a small business if you're looking to get a boob job if you're looking to start anything go to these guys for all your loans here's an earlier version of myself explaining how the process works when you go on loanoptions.ai slash five eight you can then pick your asset type you can pick your finance type you can pick your finance terms and how much money you need. You then click compare lenders, type your name, your number and your email, and then you can compare from all the lenders that are there. Well, thank you earlier, Diego. Go to loanoptions.ai slash five eight. Now the guest that we have today he is a scientist, an internationally acclaimed speaker. He has his BED, BSc, honors, PhD, WASM. Dr. Dingle is Australia's leading motivational health speaker. He has spent the past 35 years as a researcher, educator, communicator, and author, formerly as an associate professor in health and the environment at Murdoch University. Dr. Dingle has more than a hundred scientific articles, hundreds of public essays, and 17 best-selling books on health, including Take Control, and realize your potential and his three latest books is gut secrets ready set gut health and overcoming illness dr dingle is a straight shooter he's one of the best there is in australia health period and i'm super excited to have him on the podcast and i hope you guys enjoy remember if you want to also support go to worthprotecting.com.au if you are listening to this podcast go to worthprotecting.com.au and you can watch the video without further ado let's get into the episode layer listening to episode 78 of the 5-8 Take, Australia's podcast. Enjoy. 
bit wild what's happening at the minute. You had a, your tour in, in August, yeah? Did you, did, was, were, were you able to follow through with that tour? What, what happened? No. We had our gut health tour, um, a three-week tour, um, basically from Tweed Heads into Queensland, up through Queensland mm. to Cairns, where we were going to stop off and have a bit of a, you know, a warm holiday for, two, <laughs> for the last week. But um, no, no, 10 days before we saw the writing on the wall, um, and knowing how viruses work and politics work, um, we could get over there. We could have done a couple of the talks, but then we weren't allowed to get back home. So back in <laughs> Western Australia. So we just said, look, it's just too hard. We'd still be stuck over in West, in, in um, Queensland now, you know, a month on. Mm. Um, and we've just got too many commitments, work, talk, other bits and pieces, and of course our family and grandkids. Yeah, the, you can beat the virus of the 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 normal virus, but beating a double virus of these politicians, it's a it's a bit it's a bit tough. It's a bit tough. But um, I wanted uh, we usually start off with uh, the your a massive history of of our guests. But one question that I want to just start off before we get there is um, the difference between sickness and the health industry. I'd love to get your take. I've heard a little bit of chatter that um, you, you've, I think the first time that I, I even heard that was from you watching, watching some interviews that you've done. So if you could break down the difference between the two, does, does a sickness industry exist? Look, it does. It does. And I've been talking about this for uh, over, geez, over 30, I think it's 35 years now, 35 mm. years um, since I've been doing my research and doing all the work out, out there. And look, we're, there are two industries. One's the sickness industry, and that's the one that says, okay, let's, let's, uh, and you know, it evolved in uh, prior, just prior to World War II, but it developed after World War II where they said, well, we don't want to make money. Sorry, we don't want, we don't want people to get well, because if they get well, and this isn't, you know, the people don't actually say this, mm, but mm. the industry works at this premise. So there's no one saying, oh, we've got to keep everyone sick. But they say, well, look, what we want to do is achieve, um, uh, if we can do this and get continue on treating people, treating the symptoms, so treating the symptom of blocked arteries, treating the symptom of cholesterol, which is a total symptom. It's not even a disease state, okay? Mm. Treating this, treating um, cancers, treating uh, uh, arthritis, treating all these on a regular basis, then we're going to make a lot more money mm. because people have to come back to us every day, every week, every month, every year, and therefore we will have a you know, multi-trillion dollar industry. Yeah. And this is effectively what we have done. And I suppose the best example, and it relates back to the gut, but there was a guy back in 1907 called Eli Mechenkov, okay. a, Russian, uh, a Russian biologist. And he said, all disease appears to be coming from the ke some chemical in the gut, inflammation throughout the body. So the aging process the fact that we're getting sicker as we age, the diabetes, which wasn't around much then, Alzheimer's, which was fairly rare back then, all of those conditions were coming from, or at least linked to the chemical being released into the gut. And he, he you know, coined it. And for about 30 years, there's a whole body of research on inflammation, inflammation coming from every part, but in particular from the gut. Now that dates back to uh, Hippocrates in 400 BC. 
when mm. he said, you know, all disease comes from the gut and so on, but he didn't know that it was coming from bacteria right. causing the inflammation in the gut. And then in the, you know, post-World War II, all the research in that area of inflammation stopped and it said, it's no good dealing with inflammation because we solve the problem. All of the chronic illnesses we have, including your vulnerability and susceptibility to COVID, Mm. comes from inflammation mm. and it's related disorders and so on. And so the sickness industry said, well, look, what we can do is, is treat these illnesses and we can treat the symptoms of them rather than fixing them. That's why we've spent more, more money on, on cancer treatment in amazing trillions and trillions of dollars. Yes. And yet the cancer rates and the cancer death rates continue to go up. And I'll give you a simple working example of this, okay? Mm -hmm. We know, for example, in gut health, that if you want to create an illness like arthritis, we create it in gut health. We create the different forms of arthritis in gut health by literally poisoning the gut. Mm. And by poisoning the gut, it causes leaky gut. And as a result, um, the toxic chemicals from the gut go into the body, go to the joints, cause the inflammation in the hands and the knees and the other joints. And you feel really stiff and sore. And this is inflammation in the joints directly coming from the gut. Now we know how to create the arthritis. And so the, and the reason they create that in the animals, the mice and the rats to do the experiments mm. is so that they can then find a drug that they can use to treat the arthritis or yes. the other condition. Now, hold on, hold on. We know what causes it. But dealing with the cause is very not very economical for mm. these big businesses. Dealing with the symptoms is same with blood pressure. We know, we know, for example, the major causes of blood pressure. We know it because they have to create mice who have blood pressure test to test the drugs on. So the mice with blood pressure don't just show up; they're actually bred. And then what they do is develop them so that they have high blood pressure. And the two main ways that they develop high blood pressure is by feeding them fructose syrup mm. and refried oils, not fried oils, but refried oils. You know, the ones you get in your fish and chips, and your deep yes. fried uh, chickens and all those. Yes. They're the ones. They give it to the mice and the mice develop high blood pressure. And so then they can develop a drug to treat the high blood pressure rather than treating the actual cause. So this is a sickness industry. This yeah. is rampant. Virtually, you know, you, you could argue you could argue that you could get rid of 90% or, or more of the pharmaceuticals out there that are treating the symptoms and you would be better off. And I'm not the only one saying that. There are thousands and thousands yeah. of research scientists out there saying it. Now, the wellness industry is about going to the root cause. Yes. What causes the problem? Now, we, we know the root cause pretty well. And I, I sum it up in a little triangle. I, I, I put out a little, here's a, here's a, here's a little, that's a plug, but there's a little triangle there. Yep. And that triangle is look, oxidation, inflammation, acidosis. Mm. The three things, oxidation, inflammation, acidosis. If you lower oxidation, you lower inflammation, you lower yep. acidosis and vice versa. If you lower acidosis or all, all the way around, they work together hand in hand. And if you lower those, you lower all forms of chronic illness. Now, you, some people are probably saying, well, what's a drug I can do for that? Well, it's 99% uh, nutrition and lifestyle and diet. Uh, chronic stress creates inflammation, oxidation, acidosis. Poor diet, refried foods, for example, sugar, 
um, processed foods cause inflammation, oxidation, acidosis. So mm. what you want to do, there is no way around it. You can get the condition and you have a choice then to either treat the symptoms or reverse it. And you can, you can reverse, you can unblock arteries. You can, you can, un, um, you can, you, you reverse diabetes type two. You can um, dramatically reduce your risk of Alzheimer's if you want to, mm. or you can get to a stage and then have to take a drug. And it's really simple. When you put it in those, you know, you, you coin it in that way, people say, hold on, I really don't want Alzheimer's because the drugs only delay a little bit further and, of course, have all these, all these, all these strange other side effects associated with them. Mm-hmm. If you take cholesterol-lowering drugs, the list of side effects is huge. The same with blood pressure medications. In most of the studies on blood pressure medications, they have something like a 30 to 50% dropout because of the side effects. Mm. Now, that's one choice, or you can do the health medicine where you say, okay, I'm actually going to reverse these conditions by lowering inflammation, oxidation, acidosis, and I'm, I'm going to do it the simplest possible way, which is how we've evolved over millions and millions of years, and it's through diet and lifestyle. You know, the environment around us, create a healthy, happy environment. Um, good nutritious foods, and I'm not talking about cornflakes and cereal, they're junk foods. I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about, you know, the real foods. And when it comes to your lifestyle, you know, a good balance of everything in there. So mm. that that is a very different from the sickness industry to the health or wellness industry. And when did it? When did that shift come? Because we've been living for so long on a natural way and and doing a human develop through that way. When did the the hospital well, look, industry I, I, I switch argue, economically? Well, look, I'd argue very strongly that um, we've been uh, we've been doing this program, uh, our our health, looking after our health for 60, 60 million years. Okay, yeah, because we we predating predating um homo sapiens we were great apes yes. and so on the, the sickness industry has really um developed post-world war ii with some of the development of technology and so on yeah and the development of chemistry but more in the last 20 to 30 years so as a result the use and uh, of pharmaceuticals continues to sky you know go up huge it just it just continues to go up uh, the cost of the health industry go up and governments can't afford it. It's, it's, it's usually the single biggest item on all government budget, Western government budgets yeah. around the world now. Um, is, there, is there sickness industry paying the pharmaceuticals, paying for high-end operations, which to a large degree can be avoided if we started looking after our health and our well-being? So it's really the last 20, 30 years. And you see that around there. You know, the average 60-year-old now in Australia is on six medications, five or six. Yeah. Um, and I'm over 60 and I'm certainly not on ESA. Someone's taking my six. <laughs> and it's just key, you know, it's just it's just funding, funding that whole pharmaceutical cycle. Look, don't get me wrong, some pharmaceuticals are great when it comes to certain treatments of of, of you know advanced disease states and things like that. Mm. But um, when it when it comes to looking after your health and well-being, going into a doctor and expecting to walk out with something that's going to help you is a slim chance for the very simple reason doctors aren't educated in nutrition and lifestyle. And unfortunately, they argue too, but the system won't allow them to. In fact, most doctors who stand up and say, you've got to get off the drugs, and I know many, many doctors, GPs, yeah. who help people come off the drugs, 
um, many doctors like that get harassed by the medical industry. There's a, there's a, you know, a, the, the, the mafia of the medical industry come down strongly on them and many of them get threatened with losing their licenses and so on for just simply talking about health and nutrition as, mm. as a way rather rather than going the pharmaceutical route. Yeah, I've spoken to... route does not solve anything. It yeah. treats the symptoms. Nutritionally, you can reverse many, many, if not most of these conditions. Yeah, I've spoken to a few uh, doctors stating that APRA's sort of put this gag order on them. They can't really even speak uh, yeah. the nutritional route rather than just the vaccine route. And we're, we've sp- we spoke to Dr. Robert Malone and, uh, just an episode ago. It'll be the last episode. And he was talking about... Uh, study regarding the association between uh, peak antibodies and tighter responses uh, in COVID-19 infections. So it's to do with obesity and the the impact that it, it has. And it, it talks about the the ratio and the peak of the titers, which with obesity just skyrocketed. And for some reason, we're seeing a, a lot of obese people are the ones that are fully pushing the only way out of this pandemic and and it it really doesn't make sense because when you look at the data it's it's killing your antibodies and you don't have you don't have the protection against the disease you should always take the natural route have you have you always been yeah go what are you what are your reactions to that have you come across studies for the last year and a half, kind of been locked away, and I've been in lockdown twice, okay? Yeah. So for two weeks when I'm in lockdown, what do I do? Well, I just read research for, you know, 12 hours a day and with my wife who's a naturopath, so we talk about these things and we go into it. Yes. Um, and, and for the last year and a half, literally since COVID started, I've been researching COVID. Yes. So I actually think I'm more up to date with COVID than just about anyone else in Australia for the very simple reason I'm, I'm focusing on the nutritional health lifestyle aspect, aspects mm. of COVID right through and right from the beginning, right through from the beginning, the answers have been there. And and uh, I'm, I'm actually of the very strong voice and opinion backed by thousands upon thousands. Of, somebody says, well, thousands of studies. People aren't, do you realize there's probably, there's over, there's over 300,000 scientific publications on COVID already? Yes. Now that Amen. was a couple of weeks ago, I looked. So it's probably uh, more than that, 300,000. So I can look up any of these topics and there's a huge body of evidence to support. So I've been looking and, and, and going into it. And I'm going, wow, this is crazy. Lockdown in Australia was fantastic in the beginning because it served a purpose because we didn't know about the virus. Mm. Now we know so much about the virus mm. and people have said, oh, there's no virus. There is a virus. It mm. is deadly. And in fact, it's it's if you put it in general population terms, it's about 10 times more deadly than the flu virus. If you put it in elderly care <laughs> um, uh, terms, it's about 10,000 times more deadly for elderly who are sick than a young, uh, a 19 or a 20 or a five mm. or a 10 year old. Yeah. So that's the order of magnitude. But that gives you the evidence straight away. And what we know about COVID is that there's a particular, it's very unique from the other viruses, from the other, uh, uh, like the, you know, the, the influenza virus, the herpes virus, the HIV virus, in that those viruses gain access through multiple ways. This virus, 
the coronaviruses, and there's three of them, the yep. two main ones is COVID-1 and COVID-2 or the COVID-19 that we're talk, talking about now. Mm. These really only gain access through one pathway. And this pathway is called the ACE2 receptor. Mm. And this ACE2, I can tell you, it's and, and I, I jump up and down every time I find more things to support my 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 theories and my research. And I say theories because science is about research and discovery. Medicine yes. is not about research and discovery. Medicine is about squashing other people's views and opinions, yeah. which is what's going on now. Yeah. To deny the role of nutrition in COVID is killing people. Our politicians. Our politicians, if they deny it, our media, and they're denying any role, there's no mention of it. Yeah, We know that this virus gains access to a particular receptor site on our cells. Now, this cell, this receptor site, is increased in people who have obesity. Yes. Diabetes too. Unregulated blood sugar. Independent. And we know that, by the way, obesity is about increases the risk by about forty-eight percent of mortality and and severe outcomes and so on. Thirty-five um, percent uh, for diabetes, about the same for hypertension and unregulated blood sugar. And then we go down the list. So effectively, we know that these are the what we call comorbidities. These are the things that increase the risk of um, COVID. And if we reverse those, minimize them, then we dramatically, or if you're young and um, in fact, if you're under 20, under 20, your risk of COVID is um, 0.0007%. This is from the best studies done, 13 13, um, countries, 24 studies, 0.0027%, which is under the flu. However, if we then start to reverse these conditions, we lower the risk factors for everybody. Now, what these risk factors are, or these comorbidities, they all increase. All of the evidence shows that they increase two things, inflammation, mm. which is what I talked about earlier, Yes, and they increase the ACE2 receptor. Mm. So they increase. So the two things that go hand in hand. So if you're obese, um, diabetic, and high blood pressure, then you are extremely high risk, probably one in two of mortality from, um, you know, they're, they're the odds, the different odds ratios there, one in two compared to one in 100,000. Mm. So that group there is incredibly susceptible and vulnerable, incredibly. And it's because the ACE2 receptor is like a Trojan horse. Mm. It actually sneaks the virus in. The virus finds it really hard to get into the cell. Mm-hmm. So the, the ACE2 receptor sneaks it in like a Trojan horse. The virus hops into the ACE2 receptor. If you remember the Troy, what happened was the, you know, the, the Spartans were attacking Troy and they couldn't get into the city. It had a great wall around it and protected it. So they built this wooden horse, kept a, lot, a couple of elite soldiers in there, and then at nighttime left. And the Troyans, I think it's Troyans, I'm not sure, they, they bought the, the next day bought the horse into the, um, into the, uh, the city and then the soldiers during the night were able to escape and the elite warriors were able to battle down the defences. Now, they wouldn't have got in. Now, the same thing happens with 
there's virus. The virus gets in through the receptor sites, what, what are called the ACE2 receptor sites. They get in, they sneak in, and they get in in large amounts. Because they get in in large amounts, they overwhelm the immune system, your immune system overreacts, and so on. So really, really simply, what we do, two things we can do. We can say, okay, who's got a lot of receptor sites? The sicker you are, more obese, hypertense, diabetic, and the more inflammation you've got, because as far as I can tell from reading about 60 papers on it, inflammation and ACE2 go hand in hand. So if you've got high rates of chronic inflammation, in other words, you're sick, then you've got more ACE2, which means you're more vulnerable. The more of you got, the more of these Trojan horses that can sneak into the cell. So we know who is vulnerable. I actually suggest that people who are really sick, um, lots of inflammation, lots of ACE2, all the comorbidities, actually they need to be vaccinated and they've all been vaccinated. But I go for the 2080 rather than the 8020 because those people aren't going to reverse all of these lifestyle conditions in the next six months. Mm. So they do need something to support them while they start to reverse it while they start to build the and there are there are side effects i won't even go into the side effects of, of the vaccine I'm, I'm not i don't know enough yeah but we do know there are side effects so but the risk of COVID for those people is huge it's phenomenal as i said it's kind of one in two mm. so with those type of risks you say okay so there it is now but for the 80 percent who are at low risk to extremely low risk there are simple lifestyle choices you can do to block the ace two one start to reverse any of these conditions you've got. Um, and there are nutrients, nutrients yeah. that we know, and we've known for the last 20 to 30 years, some of them block ACE2. In fact, any nutrient that blocks blood pressure. And I actually got onto this research because of um, the link between hypertension, high blood pressure mm-hmm. and COVID. Mm. And I've, I've, almost finished it's been sitting there for six months a book on um you know reversing high blood pressure and you can totally absolutely 100 totally reverse blood pressure with good nutrition now if you can do that that means then that you're actually in the process reversing or getting rid of all those ace2 receptors or eliminating the number making the number so small so anything that reverses blood pressure anything that reverses diabetes anything that helps you lose weight in essence, is eliminating or getting rid of the inflammation and getting rid of the ACE2 receptors. Mm. Now, there are other, are other things in there too about the gut and so on, but that's the simplest model that I can explain to people. So there are a lot of things people can do to dramatically reduce the risk. Now, people say, oh, that's ridiculous. Well, hold on. Here it is. As I said earlier, the risk of... Uh, uh, a zero to 20 year old getting COVID according to the best studies in the world is 0.0027. The risk of a senior, an elderly who is um, just living in Australian elderly care is 8%. Mm. Wow. Wow. You're going to say the Australian government, the people under their care, intensive care are the ones dying. Yeah. And, here it is. Here it is. The one fundamental link linking all of this is malnutrition. Yes. The greatest single factor linking because if people are diabetic type two, yeah, they may be, they may be have lots of foods, but they're malnourished. All mm. of the studies show they're low in vitamin D, vitamin C, 
um, a group of chemicals called polyphenols, uh, or, or a vast majority. Uh, obese people, diabetic people, hypertense people, all show that they are significantly more malnourished mm. than the average. And the average Australian is a little bit malnourished too because they're not eating the foods that I eat, which is just huge amounts of nutrient-dense foods. Mm. But coming back to it, we know that the single biggest killers in COVID, the ACE2, is linked with inflammation and malnourishment. And there are simple nutritional strategies that can start to reverse that and block that. But nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear a simple solution. I mean, we had the greatest opportunity in April last year, the you know, beginning of COVID, to say, let's get Australia healthy again. Yeah. And the authorities say, oh, we can't, we can't do that. We're not allowed to. Hold on. We've now found that we can do anything we want. We can lock down people. We can lock out people. We can um, blame people. We can, uh, we, you know, we can shut down whole cities, shut down whole countries. Yes. We can, um, you know, do, we can mandate to everyone has to have a, uh, something they don't want. We can, you know, I, I'm sorry, had we had a fraction of this at the beginning, then guess what? We wouldn't be going through this. And the good thing about what I'm saying is that a nutritional approach, so starting to reverse the malnutrition in this highly susceptible group, even if they're vaccinated, we know that the vaccines are waning. Mm. They're becoming less effective. Mm. And we're seeing this all around the world in the most vaccinated populations of Gibraltar, Israel, it doesn't matter, um, Iceland, they're showing exactly the same. The vaccines are waning. And so what we need to do is go back and, and work on the malnutrition one and say, yeah. okay, what blocks the ACE2? What blocks the ACE2? And there's a whole body of research coming out now all around the world. Um, thousands of studies showing that uh, nutrients you find, concentrated nutrients you find in plants start to block them. Um, you probably know of turmeric. Yes. Now, turmeric is a really good example of that. Um, an enhanced turmeric formulation can dramatically lower the risk of um, the ACE2 and therefore the ACE2, which is the access. The same with um, a herb, uh, an Indian herb called um, ashwanga or with that also known as withania. Um, uh, the, 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 the two main nutrient groups you find in celery, one called luteolin and um, apigenin, apigenin. Um, and the two you find in oranges and lemons and all your citrus fruits, naringenin, these are strong, now big names, aren't they? Naringenin <laughs> and um, hesperidin, um, mm. they're all anti-ACE2. Yes. But they're not just anti-ACE2, they're anti-viral anti replication, anti-viral transmission, anti-viral, and historically, before COVID came along, they've been used for viruses, and now we're now seeing that they have the ACE2 blocking. And so what we're doing, what scientists are doing, not, the, not medicine, but what science is doing around the world is looking for the best ACE2 blockers. And one of the best ones they've found is in onions, garlic, and apples called casetin. Right. right. And there are already double-blind placebo control studies. There are studies all around the world on these things that they've gone literally from the molecular docking studies in the, on the computer to the lab studies, to the mice studies, right through now to the, um, uh, they've now got human trials on all of these things, mm -hmm. but you can wait for the human trials and some of them will come out and they're having fantastic results. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and or you can just start getting this nutrition into you anyway because it's a win-win. There, there are no side negative side effects. It's nutrition. Your mm. body goes, wow, thank you. I feel so much better. Oh, my diabetes is being reversed. Oh, my blood pressure is dropping. Oh, I'm losing weight. Hold on. Just because of nutrition. And at the same time, blocking the ACE2 receptors, which are the Trojan horse for COVID. In terms of in terms of acquiring acquiring this virus and blocking the um the receptors, do is this something that we should be tackling at the our older population level? Because right now we're talking about vaccine vaccination on kids, which I don't agree with, and a lot of doctors that I've spoken with also don't agree with. Is it's I I I do agree with the technology of uh, mRNA and RNA as a drug in general for our older population whose immune system has been completely shot and what it does is sort of create a synthetic immune system for them on top of the nutrition that they should be doing uh, anyways. What you've, got to, what you've got to remember there, okay, yeah, I, I yeah. heard you talking about immune system. Everyone's yes. talking about immune system. Just for a moment, forget the immune system. Just, that's just a massive think, one. That's a massive one. Okay. All right. All right. I'll but follow you down here, Peter. Yes. Okay. Go. Here, COVID, it's, it's I'd say it's um, uh, a, a 99 mm-hmm. is the ACE2 receptor. And the other things linked in with, there's another whole systems in there. Yeah. That's the simplest one. The ACE2 receptor is 99% of the risk of COVID. Your immune system is the 1%. Right. Yes. Okay. So when people say build immune, what you what you will do, by the way, is when you block the ACE two receptors, you will also be building the immune system anyway, as an aside, because it's nutrition. Mm. So it's a, again a win win situation. Clearly, clearly, what we're after immediately is to block that ACE two receptor, because even if you're vaccinated, the vaccine works on the fact that, and I don't know that I haven't gone into that at all. I've, I've yep. just been focusing yep. on the nutrition. The vaccine works on the on the premise that you get the virus and then in large amounts because it sneaks in still, and then your body fights it off. Okay, yeah, the, 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 the vaccine works. My premise is if you block it in the beginning, only a small amount gets through, a mm. really small amount, and therefore your immune system can handle it on its own. Yes. And it's got the vaccine there. But if you, what you're doing is stopping your, your body, your cells being overwhelmed with, you know, um, I don't know the order of magnitude, but a thousand times more of these viral particles. Mm-hmm. So your ACE2 receptor here is the key. If you can block that, you can stop the virus getting in. And that's why I'm saying even with vaccinated people, and particularly the elderly, they need to take, go this pathway because we now know that as these vaccines wane, and they will continue to wane, evidence of science shows that all the time, they will continue to wane and get less and less effective, you you, you still have to resort or come back to your system, your own system. And that is first and foremost, 99% blocking the ACE2. Now, if you block the ACE2, it builds immunity anyway, so you've got the 100%, but everybody vaccinated or not needs to start working on their nutrition everybody no exception and good nutrition starts in the home just getting rid of all your deep fried foods processed foods packaged foods um you know sorry mums if you're feeding your kids breakfast cereals that's why they call them serial killers okay get out get away from this junk stuff it all comes back to healthy nutrition nutrient dense foods yes 
And I, I com- I'm completely on on the sentiment of the cereals as well. I, we we've uh, we used to, but we we've completely moved away from that. And this the issue with uh, obesity and. Uh, the linkage, uh, a few studies that I've seen, the linkage between obesity and depression. Does depression and anxiety has anything to do with your gut health? What is the linkage between the two? Or is there? Look, um, well, you know, that, that, that I actually got onto COVID as well because COVID is intimately linked with gut health. Okay, yes. so they're, 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 they're both. And so one of, the, one of the things, one of the risk factors for COVID is what we call dysbiosis. So when your large intestinal microbiota, the bacteria and the fungi and the viruses in there aren't in balance and working properly, you end up Mm. with something called leaky gut. Now here's a bit of trivia. When you've got leaky gut or for the scientists, they like hyperpermeability. Okay. But I like leaky gut. You've also got leaky lung and leaky lung means that the cells are more likely or, 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 things like viruses and bacteria are more likely to get into the lungs anyway. So again, it comes, it all comes back to COVID or comes back to the gut. So if yeah. you can fix the, fix the gut, and that's one of my mantras for the last 10 years, whenever anybody's come up to me and they said, look, I've got a health condition. My first response is always fix the gut. And it comes back to here with COVID too, fix the gut. You've got a lot of ACE2 receptors in your lungs, in your gut, you've got them all, all over your body, but the vulnerable places are in your lungs and in your intestines so what you want to do is you know again fix the gut lower the inflammation lower the ace to lower your lower your risk of covid directly via the gut Mm. and the same things that do it like i'm telling you it, it all comes down to nutrition if you want to repair the gut fix the gut it comes down to high um uh intensity nutrients, lots and lots of nutrients, just saying I'm, I'm on a nutrient dense diet. So mm. where, where the, where the, your question comes in is yeah. um, mental health, depression. Yes. All of those we know very, very well are linked to the gut. You see, and, and this again explains why the gut is the focal point in, in my life. And when I say to people, fix the gut, you've got the gut brain, Access. Everyone knows that. You've got the gut-lung axis that I just briefly described then. You've got the gut-liver axis. So a lot of people tell me they want to go on a liver cleanse. Yeah. And I go, why? Why? Uh, they say, oh, fix it. Well, I tell you what, fix the gut. Do a gut cleanse or whatever you want to call it. Because all of the toxins from the leaky gut and the gut go directly to the liver. Mm. That's the first port of call. And that's the stuff that really poisons the liver. So fix the gut, work on the gut and your liver and everything else around the body will, will you know, start. That's where you get your nutrients from. Now your, your gut, your, then you've got your, you've got your gut, everything, your gut skin link, your gut joint link. We know, for example, acne, mm. all the skin conditions are linked to the gut. Um, the two main drugs that they use on acne uh, work through the gut. Um, we know we got you know the the main drugs they use with arthritis work through the gut. Mm. Um, the main ones they use for diabetes, one called metformin, is is basically a pro a prebiotic. It stimulates the growth of the good bacteria in the gut, mm. particular bacteria called Acamensia mucinophilia. What a great name, what? isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> These, <laughs> they're beyond my Scary. vocabulary. <laughs> no, 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 no. Mucinophilia, it just 
means I love mucus. What a great term. Uh, it's a bacteria that loves mucus. Anyway, so metformin stimulates that. So we see we see that link with the gut and every part. And in the gut-brain axis, yeah. we know that it can influence everything from the short-term symptoms and expression of things like your uh, anxiety, stress, and depression, right through to your long-term chronic illnesses, e.g. Parkinson's. Um, the best guesstimates are 50% of Parkinson's disease is developed directly via the gut and the gut poisons. And we know Alzheimer's is linked to the gut. And all mm. of these are linked to inflammation and, and the gut. So that's why when somebody comes to me and says, look, I've, I've, I've got... Um, I've got diabetes. Well, diabetes too. Well, hold on. No, that's what you're showing. That's what you're measuring. You're probably on the way to being hypertense. Um, you're on the uh, fast track for Alzheimer's. You may be on the way to Parkinson's and you may be here, here, here. Um, why don't we work on your gut now? <laughs> Before And you're on the True. way to an increased risk of COVID. Why don't you work on your gut? Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, we're, we, we in pre-COVID year, <laughs> This will be calling it pre and post C, you see. Um, Pre-COVID year, we did almost 100 talks around Australia on gut. And we were talking to groups of 100 plus audiences all all around uh, Australia. And um, literally everybody just walks out going, wow. Wow, this is so simple, isn't it? Health is so simple. And by the way, so is COVID. When you look at all the evidence, not, you know, it's simple and you go back to basics and it all comes back to basics and you can use the high technology medicine to treat the symptoms and postpone things, but it's still, no matter what way you see it all comes back to basics. And the basics are things like that triangle. I showed you inflammation, oxidation, acidosis, and the gut. The gut is the major cause of oxidation and inflammation throughout the body. By the way, so is obesity and diabetes. They all again link together. And what are and, what are some? No sorry, and what are uh, some ways to cleanse the gut? What are some strategies that people can implement that are listening that they can uh, do a gut cleanse? Would it be a fast? Is that is that no, the best way to do no, it, no, no, or no, no. what is what is the best way to do it? The simplest strategy is just uh, f- first of all eliminate the things that are poisoning your gut. But before I get on, I do want to say one yes. other aspect. There yeah. are see. When, when people come to, uh, it links in, when people come to my talks, I say 50% of people have gut illnesses, mm. as in reflux and you know, all those, and 50% don't know they've got it. So virtually everybody has, because of the pressures on the gut. So everybody, it's not just the ones manifesting, you know, advanced stage diseases. By the time they tell you you've got diabetes, you've, you've had pre-diabetes and pre-pre-pre-diabetes for 10 years. Mm. You've been building up to it for 20 years. So my message is start now, fix the gut. So how do you start to fix the gut? It's it's not by some miracle thing you're going to add. The first thing is take away the things that are causing it. And um, the things that are causing it are primarily the foods that we're eating, 21st century over-processed foods. Mm. Okay, 21st century, far too much fried foods, deep fried foods, overcooked foods, overprocessed foods. If it's in a packet and it's got a shelf life of X number of years, then more than likely it's not food. It doesn't resemble food. Mm. They've removed the fiber 
and they've put in processing agents and all of those processing agents one way or another negatively affect the gut so we've now gone to a state of just about every single day multiple times a day poisoning the gut so people really need to revamp it so how do you start well it's not about all of a sudden getting rid of things it's slowly introducing things and slowly phasing things out just get off fried foods straight away refried foods to start with stop yeah. getting the takeaways that's simple mm. second one get off all the added sugar not the sugar in fruits that are there and the fruit juices the whole juices they get rid of the added sugars any add, and they're two simple strategies you can do over a couple of weeks and in the process add more fruits nuts seeds beans foods that have um more nutrients in them 10 times 100 times a thousand times more nutrients we've got a government system that says this packaging of really junk foods is bad for you oh sorry is um i shouldn't say that they, they don't say that they, this junk food has a rating of four and a half out of five and this bag of nuts over here has a rating of 4.8 out of five i mean what corruption has made that <laughs> there's the nutrient density of those nuts compared to the processed food Very is a true. thousand times different there, there was a study just last week showing that um uh having a handful of uh, of nuts um five times a week adds not just a year and a half onto your life but reduces your risk of all forms of chronic illness etc etc wow it's not a handful of breakfast cereal not a handful of crunchy oats not a handful of all these other things um you know the the milos of the world and all that these are the foods that the nuts and the seeds they're they're they're, they're vitamin tablets on you know and supplements everyone should be on them yes and people say oh they got things in them phytates and oxalates and forget that forget that stuff that's people trying to sell your product okay just get on the nutrient dense food so that's the first so start to phase out the nasties and phase in the good ones. Then, then you just drink more liquids because your gut runs on liquids, your cells run on liquids, drink more liquids, lots and lots of liquids. Um, green tea is great. Co a little bit of coffee is fine, but if you have to have your coffee because you need it to keep alive, then you don't need it anymore. That's the coffee <laughs> addicts that should be getting kicking there. So, but coffee is, is again, rich in nutrients. Um, no sugar, of course. Yeah. So you have the you have the liquids, um, uh, fruit juices are fine, but add add a little bit of and here's here's one of my um, my little um, add-ons. Add something called K fiber. It's an Australian development, okay. and it's sugar cane without the sugar. They've taken the sugar taken the sugar out, and what happens in nature? All your foods have their own food balances in there to balance it out. So sugar cane on its own isn't bad. You know, you can walk around eat yeah. sugar cane all day, every day of your life and not put on weight. It's the fact that they've taken the sugar cane out, but the, the sugar out. And when you've got the leftovers, they've got all these anti-sugar properties, things like um, chromium in them, um, uh, one called tricin, another one called um, uh, polycosinols, uh, which have anti-sugar properties in the body and anti-sugar properties in the food, mm. not to mention high fiber, which is anti-sugar you know, sugar balancing as well. So when you take the sugar out, you've got this food, the K-fiber, the cane sugar fiber, which is absolutely brilliant for um, the studies already for everything from reflux to metabolic illness to um, a whole raft of other things. And as Australia, so it's a total gut food. It's not just a fiber, 
It's got antioxidants like green tea. It's got a it's got a, um, a whole gut system. Now, at this point, I do want to I do want to highlight my vested interests. I own 0.001 of the company. In other words, nothing. <laughs> but I got involved with the company because I loved it so much, not the yeah. other way around. Yeah. And it is the simplest, safest, easiest way to add fiber and nutrients at a very cost-effective way. Because a lot of people say when they want to get healthy that it's going to cost them a lot of money. And I say, no, it's not. It's just eating healthy foods. Go to the green grocer, the outside of the supermarket, not the inside. Yeah. Um, the green teas and drink your teas, your herbal teas, all fantastic. Now, that's the gut side. And in that, on the food side, just keep adding things in, adding things in every week, taking things out every week. So over a couple of months, you've made a big difference, not all at once. Then you've got to remember your gut is linked to your brain, which is what we mentioned. Yes. What you do in your gut can influence your brain, but also what happens in your brain and your emotional psychological state can also influence your gut. So uh, being stressed can shut down digestion. Being stressed can exacerbate or create, even create a condition in your small intestine called SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, which is the bloating a lot of people get and they don't know what it is. So that can be set off by poor diet, toxic chemicals in the diet, or stress. Stress can also shut down part of your microbiota, they, the bacteria and the fungi and the viruses um, in your gut. Listen to your own chemicals. And they go, wow, this person's stressed. Well, if they're stressed, I'm going to start taking over. And the opportunistic, nasty ones start to breed up a bit faster. And if it's long-term stress, they take over more and more and more, which is why chronic stress increases your risk of one of the reasons chronic stress increases your risk of so many diseases, by the way, including um, an increase in um, uh, diabetes type two, ACE2 and COVID as well. So it's, uh, you know, it all comes back it mm, all links in together. Yes, yes. Um, and that's what I do. I put this web of information together um, and try to try to, you know, get it out there and, and share with people in my, in my awkward and excited mm. way. But, uh, to get it out to people to say, look, it all still, no matter, even if you haven't heard anything I've said, it just comes back to basics. Every single thing, basic nutritional lifestyle programs. Yeah, no, so simple. A hundred percent. And I, I find it, that's, that's why I really wanted to have a conversation with you. I find uh, a lot of your uh, talks very easy to digest and you do have this excitement for the field and, and excitement for the gut. I was going to ask you uh, just then, I think you covered it in on how you, someone trying to start out and trying to understand the body, the things that they should look out for, which I, which I think you touch there a little bit um however i want to start up where where did you start did you look at stress levels in your body how did you go directly into this field i understand you your you were a professor at murdoch as well so yeah. you've gone down the very academia path and it seems like academia is trying to shut this down and is more on the sickness industry side. I, I, I'm not too sure, but where did you, where did you start? Where, where did your passion for the gut begin? And d did you always have an interest in nutrition as a, as a you know, little fella or did you come at university or was it, was it later I'm, in I'm, life? Yeah, I'm one of the lucky ones who didn't have to get sick. 
to make mm-hmm. these discoveries. I started out as a teenager just being interested in health. I was very active, sporty, and, and I was interested. Unfortunately, back then, I was listening to the government and I yeah. was, uh, you know, eating margarine and having you know all this low fat milk and having more milk and low fat milk and all that rubbishy stuff um i you know absolutely wrong absolutely wrong information coming out of the government um and and so i was doing that and then i we kind of i traveled i i I started off as a um a science teacher an environmental science teacher a health science teacher um i taught a bit of phys ed all those things and then i ultimately came over here into to western australia enrolled in uh, an environmental science degree oh you're not from um, western australia this. originally no no i'm from melbourne don't tell anyone uh, that uh, oh, here we here coburg. we go here we go building out in coburg that's our school well near there coburg ah, high school okay yes so, yes. so i get pre-covid days i would get back to victoria four or five times a year we do mm. talks there and catch up with old friends and family talk about old times and things so um um, yeah, that's my that's my uh, second favorite spot uh, to to get to. But coming back, I, you know, I then I then started doing my own research. Um, I did a, a degree, my honors, my PhD, looking at toxic chemicals. Mm-hmm. And then I had my own research group looking at toxic chemicals in the home. So we looked at pesticides, and we could, and after uh, six or seven years of doing that and opening up a whole body of evidence, in fact. Um, it was my research, my research team and myself, I led it, of course, mm-hmm. which did the research to ultimately get smoking banned in all the clubs and pubs in Western Australia and then ultimately around Australia. Right. So that's, that's, that was our, our research. We Amazing. were able to demonstrate that no matter what ventilation system you used, people working in that industry were occupationally exposed and under occupational health and safety legislation originally in Australia, you weren't allowed to expose anyone to a toxin. So they therefore had to give everyone warning, ventilation systems aren't going to be enough. And that, so that was my first, well, not my first claim to fame, but that was my (laughs) first area of research, toxins and smoking. But then I also realized that toxins, toxins have their effect by blocking nutritional pathways or biochemical pathways. So I said, you've got to understand both sides of the coin. What's the good of, you know, blocking a toxin if the nutritional pathway isn't functioning too? Mm -hmm. So you would see, for example, things like uh, zinc, which you know are good for your immune system and great in these times. Zinc is blocked by um, heavy metals, lead and mercury and cadmium, for example. That's just one. Simple example. So they were the the, the the toxins block nutritional pathways, and you can no longer use zinc. And and in fact, um, one molecule of lead blocks the equivalent of about two hundred molecules of um, um, of zinc. So or particles of zinc. So you know. So I looked at that and I go, wow. So then I started looking into the nutritional pathways and then going in that. And yes. fortunately, I never studied nutrition at university because they teach so much rubbish. They still mm. teach some of their old, really old stuff there, mm. you know, because they've got all the industry sponsoring it. However, I went in and did all my own research with the same same vigor and same scientific rigor that I use. And so for the last, I think, uh, 20 years, I've been doing a combination of nutritional lifestyle um, and toxic chemical research. But 
that then led me onto the gut in 2003. We realized that people exposed to dust mites and dust mite allergen, and we, we did this study, this was a study we did, had some of the lowest rates of allergies. And we looked at China and they had the highest rates of peanut consumption, but the lowest rates of peanut allergy. So then our little research team started to look into why, and it's we discovered it's not the peanut allergen or the dust mite allergen causing the problem. It's mm -hmm. the gut and the gut, <clears throat> excuse me, was hypersensitive mm. and the gut was leaky gut, which yeah. we then discovered later on, but it was leaky gut, which enabled the, the toxins and things to get in there to cause the problem. And if the leaky gut wasn't there, it generally wouldn't occur. So we know, and we knew back then in 2003, when we published uh, this first paper that your gut, the health of your gut microbiome is critical to the development of all allergies, including asthma and um, uh, anaphylactic conditions that have anaphylactic shock and so on. So all of those conditions. So again, we started saying work on that. So we started looking into the gut and then we realized, and this is uh, 18 years ago, we realized that it was much, much bigger. So we then started doing um, other things like toxins in the gut and realizing that some of the effects of toxins impact the gut. And at that stage, I was looking at food additives too. And the food additives were poisoning the gut and causing leaky gut and then causing inflammation, the chemicals to get in the body and cause inflammation. So it, it all led down this pathway into nutrition, into the gut and that relationship between it all. And today, um, you know, for the last five years, it's just been gut. But we started this yeah. journey, it was 20 years ago and wrote our first paper on it in 2003. Last year, we wrote a paper with some colleagues on, um, I was a minor author, but um, yeah, we wrote it on gut and COVID and how the gut microbiome is a factor in susceptibility and vulnerability to COVID. So, you know, there's, there is so much research in there and every time, every time um, I, I see it, I go, wow, you know, it's just amazing. But I come back to basics. A lot of people waste a lot of money on trying to fix their gut. Mm. Um, come back to basics and the basics for the gut and the as it is for COVID is nutrition, nutrition, nutrition. Yes. If you've got a state of leaky gut, hyper leaky gut in your large intestine, intestines, or your lungs, you, you're not going to get it well with having a normal 21st century diet or even a healthy 21st century diet or a Mediterranean diet Yeah. because it's been literally causing these problems for years and potentially decades, a lot of damage has been done. So it needs to be reversed with a lot of nutrition. Mm. Now, the vast majority of that, you can still get through your food. So, you know, I, I, I will have a juice in the morning. And at the moment, I'm having a, a lot of a lot of juices that are also anti-ACE2. If you go back to our early ones, yes, yes. Um, anti-inflammatory nutrients. anti, And that's my normal nutritional program. So I have more nutrients in the morning than most Australians, not your listeners, mm. but most Australians would have in a week. And it doesn't cost me much more to do that. And yet at the end of the day, I still have all, you know, I don't have an illness. I don't have one of these conditions. Yeah. I have a bit of wear and tear from the old basketball days at Coburg High School. <laughs> <laughs> and and I want operations and stuff, stuff <laughs> like that. But, 
but you know, other than other than other than that, so it's really about nutrients, hypernutrition, to reverse the conditions that are there, and 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 that starts in the gut. And I want to I want to touch on that. You just uh, mentioned uh, some dieting. So when I want to I want to get a, an understanding of your diet and what diets you've been through and what's worked for you, what hasn't worked for you personally. For me, um, I I implemented the carnivore diet. I was on it for a long time, which is high fat, low carb. It's essentially the keto diet, but with meats, you're essentially getting your body into ketosis where your body is processing the fats. And to me, I never felt better. I obviously, I don't think there's a diet that fits anyone. And I want to get your take on that. For me, it worked. I think it helped me win the uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gold medal. Um, And I think at the time I saw a lot of clarity in that diet and I tried a vegan diet and it was horrible in scrambles. I was like nostalgic mind you the carnivore diet didn't slow down time and I can, you know, see movements uh, like Neo in the matrix, but it did help a lot with my clarity. My skin was clear. Um, I could go for longer. I think this time I'm adding more fruits to that diet. Uh, rather than being as strict as I was, I was getting a bit of headaches. So I'm trying to figure out what that is. And I want to uh, give you the answer. I'll yes. give you the answer. Fix the gut. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> what what diet um, have you have you tried different diets? What's worked for you? And how can I'm, someone? I'm like you. I'm like you, but older. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I've tried more. <laughs> and look, love it. You know, I went on the, I, you know, as I said earlier, I went on the 17, I started looking into all the the advice from the government and then realized um, a decade later how bad it is for you. Yeah. And that's why we're, that's why we're sick by accepting it, nutritional advice from the, from the government and just accepting it without questioning. Okay? Yeah. So I've been, I've, I've, I've been on a vegetarian, never vegan, but I've been on a vegetarian diet. Mm-hmm. I've been on, uh, you know, various things, high this, high that, because I always like to try things for myself before yeah. I tell people. Um, but where I am now is I, I'm a firm believer. We, we are not hunter fish. Well, we're, we're not hunter gatherers, so to speak. Okay. We, we are what I call the opportunistic eaters. Okay. We are the greatest opportunistic eaters um, on this planet. Mm. And what we have done is developed an ability to pretty well digest anything except 21st century food, the processed foods. Yeah. So we can deal with anything because as we evolved, you know, um, as we rose up out of the out of the uh, the African savanna some five million years ago, and so on, we've moved around the world. Now we've moved primarily around water, mm-hmm. so there's always been access to water-based foods, and we've moved where no other animals have been able to move and go because of their diets and restrictions. But we moved out of the forests, which were which had you know lots of by the way lots and lots of vitamin C in their fruits. Mm. And we moved out of the forest. We, we, we were great apes, which are largely vegetarian, but not exclusively. They would eat if there was, you know, any any great ape would take the opportunity to eat a, a leftover a little bit of animal or something that was around, whether it's a cockroach, mouse, or or, or a kill that someone did. Mm. But coming back, you know, we've evolved a long way, and our digestive system isn't the same as carnivores. It's not the same as the dog or the cat. It's not the same as the omnivore. It's not the same as the, as the vegetarian, you know, the, the, the great apes mm. where it's mixed and matched now. 
we have a, a mouth that's totally evolved as human. And some people say, oh, you know, it's supposed to, no, no, it's human. It's totally different. So we've got characteristics of just about everything in our digestive tract. Our large intestine is smaller than those. And our small intestine, which is the long squiggly one, is actually longer than other ones. And, and so we have evolved the ability, in a sense, to be able to work with most natural foods. And I'll say that. That's, you know, excluding the 21st century processed foods. Yes. And we never will have that because that's just changed. And we taught, take millions of years and hundreds of thousands of years to evolve and our genes take a long time to change and, and even adapt to it through something called epigenetics. But we are opportunistic. So we've always had the ability to eat lots of things and anything. And of course, as a hunter gatherer, most of them were actually hunter gatherers and grazers and they did they grew a few crops too. But these these populations, wouldn't be wandering around saying, oh, look, there's a there's an animal there. I can hunt that and kill it. Well, no, I can't. I'm vegetarian. And, and they wouldn't get, walk around and say, oh, there's a, uh, a silver beet over there growing. I'm a carnivore. I'm not going to eat that. Um, we ate what we could. Yeah. And primarily we ate natural foods all around. And so around the water we ate more fish. Inland we would have had more animal kills and so on. Mm. And it wouldn't have been woolly mammoths and all that bunkum. It would have been little rodents and, you know, as we developed, got better and better at doing it and so on. But we primarily, so we are opportunistic. So where my diet is, I am, um, first of all, nutrient dense. That's mm. the one thing which is characteristic of all the foods. It has to have high amounts of nutrients. The other thing is I look throughout the last thousands of years and say, okay, Okay, what have other populations eaten and what have they done too, to improve that? And so I am um, uh, an, an omnivore. I eat uh, primarily um, a mix of high density foods, a lot of nuts, seeds. Um, I have very little of the grains. I'll have some um, uh, gluten-free or sourdough bread or so on occasionally, you know, as a, as a bit of a treat with something on it. I do the treats, mm. but only after I've eaten this nutrient dense. Mm. So my breakfast is literally a celery, um, lemon and carrot juice. Why? Because um, uh, lemons are in season <laughs> and I've got buckets and buckets of lemons. And as I said earlier, they've got two products in there, uh, asperidin and naringenin, which are, um, anti-ACE2 blocking. Mm. That's in the peel. The grapefruits are really rich in it. They're in the peel and in the juice. So I put the whole thing into my juicer in the morning, first thing. Carrots, it- some carrots left over, but it can be apples or it can be anything else that goes in there. And a lot of people say, well, aren't you getting a lot of sugar? No, no, actually. See, what happens when you have a juice and even the commercial juices, mm-hmm. they've got fiber and a group of chemicals called polyphenols. Now, polyphenols are the good things in green tea and the good things in turmeric, mm-hmm. um, the good things in uh, res, you know, the resveratrol you find in red wine that everyone talks about. These and the fiber alter the way that the sugar in your juices is um, digested, metabolized in the gut, absorbed into the body and used in the body. So it no longer behaves like a, a teaspoon of sugar. Very, very different. So that's why you see, for example, there is no evidence to suggest that fruit causes in any way. In fact, it's anti-diabetic type 2 and has been shown to be involved as in a critical part of reducing diabetes type or reversing diabetes type 2, despite the sugar, because it's in balance with everything in the fruit. Like the story I told you with the cane sugar earlier. Yeah. 
So what, what, what we've got there, so that, then I'll have a smoothie. And that's as soon as I finish this program, I'm going out to make my smoothie. And that starts off with a, with a um, literally a, a juice. And in the juice, I have some um, primarily seeds. And I've got, I've got um, hemp seed. Um, my favorite is linseed. It's a superfood, superfood, yeah, super cheap, superfood. Yeah. Absolutely right. And all that stuff, I mix it all in. Um, I put in some K-fiber, put in some turmeric powder, put in some other things, and down it goes. And then lunch is a, is a salad, possibly with a bit of meat in. And then dinner, I'll have more of a sustained meal. My wife is uh, from Mauritian descent, so we have a Mauritian curry or things oh, like that with beautiful. some meat in there. Yes. So I'm not, I'm not a fan of any particular one. I just eat what I know keeps me healthier and vibrant. The other aspect of all that is you asked me about the, the keto diet, carnivore diet. Yes. Short term, I'm a fan of it. Mm, okay. I'm a fan of it. Short term. Unpack that. However, it's quite acid forming. Acid, it, the, the, the consumption of meat and meat based proteins is forms acidosis. And when I say meat, uh, I'm also adding in organs in there, a lot of organs, high organs. That's what, yeah. And, and look, and that's what we should be. When people talk about meat, um, the lions and tigers, first thing they eat is the organs. Mm, yes. Um, and organ, organ meat in those in the wild, by the way, is a good dose. That's how they all get their probiotics. It's very interesting. The wolves, a wolf pack. Uh, I've, I've known this for a while, but I did a higher delve deeper into it. A wolf pack, when they capture an animal, the liver is consumed by the head wolf. The main wolf yep. is the one that holds the liver. So there's a guy, it's an amazing documentary. I forget his name off the top, top of my head, but he, he would grab... Uh, an animal and then he'd he'd hang with all these wolves uh, uh normal human and then he'd grab an animal throw it down grab the liver put the liver in his mouth and then growl and then suddenly the wolves would be like well well here's the pack leader it's an amazing documentary so and mm. so it was interesting when you when you mentioned the line and then the wolves exactly and organs yeah. are the main thing and and were the main thing that I discussed when eating. So I just wanted to add that in that it's not just normal meat for the listeners out there. We're, we're also discussing a lot of organs in these carnivore diets. Yeah, organ organ meats are very much easier to digest and your liver is rich in yeah. enzymes already because that's it's breaking things down. Now, 21st century livers aren't very good mm. because they're accumulating all of the toxins from their environment, environment the drugs yeah. the pharmaceuticals yeah. the pesticides used on the animals and stuff like that and that all one way or another goes through the liver mm. so but you know organ organ meats are absolutely essential and if you look at as i said i look at all the ancient cultures they eat organ meats organ meats were always a part of you know the stomach lining the intestinal lining yes. was always a part of healthy eating regimes and so that is is you know again part of part of what I believe it's that mixed diet, but stand, starting with high intensity, high density, nutrient dense foods mm. and getting away from those processed carbs. And once you start, as I mentioned earlier in fixing that, once you move away from processed carbs, your gut just says, thank you. Thank you. And so in your body says, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's fantastic trying to understand what the body, uh, works and what doesn't for uh, everyone's unique body there's the, you start with cleansing and clearing up the gut and you mentioned that it's the we should have only a short term for the keto and carnivore diet 
why would a pro long term wouldn't work? And as as a as a normal person out there that's trying to figure out what works for their body in this in this 21st century and whilst they're cleaning out their gut um, out of all the terrible diets that they're currently working with um, why why wouldn't a prolonged one work and also I'll, I'll leave you with um, how can people understand their body and what is working for them and what isn't working for them and hone down on what those particular items that is and isn't. Okay. Look, the first, the first part of that is um, everybody is different. Yes. Everybody is different. Um, and there's there's a huge uh, male and female different too. I mean, there's there's big variation. You you, you may not know this, but I, I think uh, females are are, are are dramatically less susceptible to COVID than males. Older females are, are dramatically less susceptible to COVID. But that mm. happens. The, the metabolism, the hormones, a whole raft of things separate those. But in each individual, we've also got our own genetic. And even though the, the genetic variation is small in our gene pool, it still means that we've got differences. And I do believe that there are people who probably require more meat and eat less meat. And I do believe there is that variation that occurs. How do you feel what is best for you? Well, the first thing is and foremost is everybody needs nutrients. There is no exception. Even if you're on a keto diet and a meat keto diet, I, I prefer the plant-based keto diet yep. with the nuts and seeds and things. Mm-hmm. Even if you're on a, um, a meat-based keto diet, you have to have the polyphenols. Look them up. Mm. These are the nutrients that you get in all the plants in high concentrations in the lemon I talked about in the red wine. Well, not in the red wine, but the grape seeds, the grape juice. These you need more of to balance out whatever you're consuming in the meat. So meat can be fine if it's balanced out with this other stuff. And a lot of people, um, a lot of carnivores have told me around, oh, fiber, you don't need, fi-. I'm sorry, there is there is so many studies on the benefits of fiber yeah, I think and the detrimental yeah. effect. And I'm not talking, I'm not talking the commercial products with additives added here. I'm talking fiber from your linseed and your all your plant-based foods. You need that. How do people know what's suit for them? Well, it's high density nutrients first and foremost. There is no exception and everybody needs to double their dose of nutrients they're getting in their food and getting. The second part is to just take a sit back and say, okay, write down where you are now, how much energy you have. And a lot of people forget this. How much weight do I have? How good do I look? How good do I feel? Can I touch my toes still? Can I get up out of my chair? How many times can I get out of my chair? Which by the way is a good indicator of how long you're going to live. That's the studies that show that. And so you ask that and you write it down and then every week you assess it. We tend to forget where we were a week earlier Mm. and say, okay, am I feeling better or worse? And diets, nutritional programs can take um, a couple of weeks to set in, but you just keep working on them. But in most cases, I've never heard anyone, anyone saying I feel worse by going on nutrient density, usually within days to weeks I hear to people saying, wow, my pain is disappearing or it's gone or it's, wow, I can't mm. believe the difference. I'm talking people who have had joint pains for decades and they're up walking around doing things simply because they're working on nutrient density. It, mm. it, it's such a simple equation and it's starting to repair that whole body. But you don't just stop there. You just get into that habit. And as I said earlier, you just start adding one thing every week and taking one thing out every week. Take it out 
use it at home if you have to rather than throw it out but then don't buy it again and just get rid of all the toxic foods the processed foods that are in your home simple guide and then listen to your body speak to the people around you and share with them because they are the know the ones who know if you're grumpy or upset mm. as well you can often get the grumpy the gr grumpy father um syndrome um, <laughs> associated with uh, you know um changing your diet so just just keep regulating and ask your people around you they're the best indicators amazing they'll say, they'll say look what are you doing because your skin's glowing yeah your skin's glowing your eyes are thing and you you know you can do just about everything except grow hair <laughs> oh, I love it. Dr. Peter Dinkle, thank you so much. Um, you've got, you've got a lot of books, uh, on, on a, a lot on the gut health, uh, your latest one being the gut secrets and the one that yep. you just, um, presented to us, the overcoming illness, which they all, the listeners can go find at drdingle.com and you can also follow him at Instagram at Gut Health Australia. The shows, are they going to be rescheduled or? Well, look, we're just waiting till some common sense and nutrition gets around the country. <laughs> I should say that I'm also on I'm also on Facebook and Gut Health Australia and, yep. and one called Natural Health Healing Remedies, except we're blocked this week again. Oh no, censorship, mate. I'm, I'm here. Censorship. It's I tough. I just put up the science <laughs> and they go, hold on, it doesn't conform. I can't, I can't believe that, that people, that this is going on anyway, you know? <sighs> so I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I just do what I can. I just post a little bit around every day um, on these things on our website. I'm putting up a, mm. a lot of blogs now on, um, on COVID. I've got five up there already explaining the science, but in a, yes. in a simpler way. I'm going to be explaining about um, uh, who's susceptible and so on. I've already got those figures and links to the study so people see their science behind it. Uh, and, yeah. and we've got, yeah, we've got 17 books up there um, which cover a topic for everybody there. And we hope very, very soon to be touring the rest of the country. We're doing lots of talks around WA now. We've restarted them. And, yeah. uh, and so we, we, did, we did one just two nights ago, room full, and had a great people great amount of people and great enthusiasm. So, you know, we just want to get that message out there. Yeah, a thousand percent. It's an important one. And uh, hopefully we will get opened up again and back to a little bit of normancy, uh, normalcy. And uh, is that a word? Is that a word? I'm not too sure, no, but I'm glad that all of this, the best thing about this entire COVID uh, experience <laughs> In, in our lifetimes is that everyone's looking more at their health. You got to look at the positive items of things. And one positive that I can take is that speaking to a lot of people that are now looking more into themselves and looking more at their gut and at their health. So what you're doing is incredibly important and I, I do appreciate it. Our listeners will definitely appreciate it. And hopefully uh, when you're in Sydney doing one of the shows, we can come and we can possibly do this uh, in person. Thank you so I'd much. Love, love to. I'll let you know when we're over there next time, if we ever get there. <laughs> Please do. And you will. Thank you so much, Dr. Peter Dingle. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure.